0: Hey, and welcome to Becca Babbles Podcast, the show where I will teach you to be the best version of yourself by learning about yourself, body, and the world around you. Or at the very least, give you a good laugh. I'm your host, Becca. Now let's get babbling. Hi guys and welcome back to Becca Babbel's podcast. I'm super excited to talk about the importance of your period because this is something that I'm really passionate about because it is something that I've struggled with. And I don't think that the importance of people's menstrual cycles are being stressed enough. It's kind of like this thing that's been hidden where it's like, oh, Guys feel awkward when girls talk about it. Oh, it's just when their girlfriend is like PMSing and they're like, it's weird or it's this gross thing when it's literally just a vital sign that a female has that your body is communicating towards you, trying to tell you what is going on in your body. It's literally the most magical thing that a woman can have where she doesn't have to go get her hormones tested because she kind of already has an idea of what's going on in her body just based off her menstrual cycle. But the thing is, is that if you don't have it, that's just a big red flag that your body is trying to tell you something. So I wanted to take some time today to explain how important it is for you to have your menstrual cycle because it's not just about having a baby because that is part of it, but there's so much more that can be impacted just by having your menstrual cycle. And I don't know about you, but I don't really feel like the school explained or taught to me what my menstrual cycle was, what my period was. So I thought I'd explain a little bit about that before I get started in all the nitty gritty details about why your period is so amazing. And when you first get your menstrual cycle, it's not just your period. A lot of the times you just think about, oh, I bleed like once a month and here we go. No, you have a full 28 days to 32 days and it's broken up into four phases and that consists of your whole menstrual cycle and your main hormones that are going on in your menstrual cycle are follicle stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone, estrogen, and progesterone. I know that's a big mouthful, so while I'm explaining... All these different hormones throughout your menstrual cycle and all your different phases. I'm just going to talk about estrogen and progesterone and then a little bit of testosterone in there. Yes, girls, you have testosterone. It's not going to make you super manly, but you do have it. So your first phase when people talk about day one of your menstrual cycle is your menstrual phase. This is where bleeding occurs where most people think about, okay, I had my period, We've done this once this month, so we're going to go on to the next month and see you again. This is where estrogen and progesterone are at their lowest, and this lasts about three to seven days, depending on your menstrual cycle. Then your follicular phase occurs. This is where estrogen rises, progesterone and testosterone slowly rise, and your uterine lining is starting to rebuild because you bled your uterine lining in that menstrual phase in the phase before and this takes about like seven to ten days and then you have your ovulatory phase this is where in the word where it says ovulatory ovulation occurs this is where estrogen and testosterone peak but then they rapidly drop and progesterone slowly starts to rise and this is where your ovaries start to release the egg and this lasts about Three to, f- three to four days. Sorry. Um, and then your last phase is your luteal phase. This is where your egg is in your uterus and it's waiting to be fertilized by the sperm if you want to have a baby. But if it's not fertilized, then the uterine lining sheds and you go back to the menstrual phase and that's where you have your period again. This is where estrogen rises and then falls. And progesterone will peak at the first half of this phase, but then will fall at the second half. And it takes about 10 to 14 days in this phase. And a lot of people, when they say they have PMS symptoms, this is in that second half of your luteal phase where you might have bloating, mood swings, acne, and all that fun stuff. But I want to note that this will not happen if you are on hormonal birth control. When you're on hormonal birth control, your period that you get is not a real period. Now, when I say that, sometimes people get mad. But I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that the pill gives you synthetic hormones, which makes an artificial period. Your hormones are, if you look at a chart of someone who is not on birth control, their hormones are cycling up and down like I had explained before. Your estrogen rises and then it falls. Your progesterone rises and then it falls. When you're on hormonal birth control, it is sustained. There is just a straight line that is just keeps going and going and it's not allowing those hormones to go up and down and you don't ovulate. So, you're not having a real period. Now that I've gotten that out of the way, I want to tell you why your period is so important. But first, I wanted to start off by saying the symptoms that I am talking about are coming from if you have hypothalamic amenorrhea, which again is a big mouthful. So, I will just refer to HA or I will stumble over those words multiple times. Plus, I feel like it would be easier for you guys to listen to it that way. And the reason why I'm doing this is because this is where I'm coming from. This is what I've dealt with. I know some people have dealt with PCOS, and I want to learn more about that just so that you guys have more information. So maybe if I consume more information or have someone on here to talk about PCOS in the future, that would be great just so that we can all get more information and have a great healthy menstrual cycle because that is the most important thing here. And having that menstrual cycle means that your body is safe and functioning. And the information that I got most of this from is the book, No, no Period, Now What? It is a great book. You can listen to it on Audible or read it. I highly recommend it. It has some great information and that's where I got most of this information from, but If you don't know what hypothalamic amenorrhea is, I'm going to break it down for you. Amenorrhea basically just means a missing period. And then hypothalamic is referring to in your brain, you have what is called a hypothalamus. And it receives information from your body through hormones and chemicals, just basically saying what's going on in your body, if something's imbalanced, if something's stressed, or if we're like in a chill state and we're just chilling out on the couch watching Netflix it gets these hormones and chemicals, and then it starts sending what's going on or what it should do to your reproductive organs. But if you have too many or too little of these hormones, your hypothalamus starts to get overburdened, and you start having reproductive issues, and this could show up as a loss of a period. Some of the main causes of HA is food restriction, exercise, weight loss, genetics, and stress. It's actually found that people who have HA are more likely to be type A, have high cortisol, which is a stress hormone, than the average person. So if you are type A, you might have, and you have no period, you might have HA. Just saying, because I was definitely that person. And this is regardless of body size. This is really important, and I'm going to talk about this later. But looking at these symptoms, don't even look at your body size to think if you have HA or not. So why is your period so important? Well, when you don't have your period, it's most likely you have low estrogen levels and other hormones that are low. In the short term, this can show up as having thinning hair or loss of hair. I know some girls like they will brush their hair and just chunks of hair will fall out. You'll have really brittle nails. For me, I used to get so upset because I would have friends that would have nails that I swear were like an inch long and they were like claws. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. My nails, I could barely touch my nails and they would bend. Or if I would barely touch anything, they would crack or tear And, you know, no one really likes that really annoying hangnail. I would get those all the time. You might also have skin problems. This is because if you've ever heard of the people saying, oh, she has that pregnancy glow, it's because she has an increase of estrogen. So she has that glowing, radiant skin that everyone wants. You might also have low libido and you'll have problems regulating your temperature, if you are like, I am cold all the time, it's like 70 degrees, or like, I would even find myself where it was sunny outside, but there was like a tiny wind, I would be freezing. I would have to bring a jacket everywhere I go, and I don't know about you, but I get tired of always tying my jacket around my waist. Doesn't always look great with pictures. Maybe if it's a flannel, it might look cool, but you know, sometimes you just don't want to have to carry things. So if you're being, if you're cold all the time, might have HA. Long-term effects are having weak bones and fractures, cardiac disease, and increased risk of dementia. Now, when you have your period, it maintains your bone density. Kind of makes sense if you have weak bones and fractures if you don't have your period. This is because your bone cells are linked to estrogen receptors. The purpose of your bone cells are to break down and rebuild. They do this because you're trying to get a balance of calcium. If, you're, if you don't have enough calcium, your body will start breaking down bone to get that calcium. But then it rebuilds so that you have a stable bone density and that they're strong. With this, estrogen prevents the breakdown of bone. You can see this in women who are are pregnant, they will have decreased levels of estrogen so that they can break down the bone in their body so that more calcium can be released for to feed their baby because their baby needs the milk. But the thing is, is that this is reversible once the mom is done breastfeeding. Her bone density increases. She has those calcium restores because she's not releasing that for her baby anymore. But when you don't have a period, you don't have that rise in estrogen, which then causes you to have weaker bones, which could lead to osteoporosis, osteopenia, and you might end up fracturing a really strong bone like your hips or your femur, and you don't want that. But once you recover your period, you will have that rise in estrogen, which will increase your bone density and you can recover that. But you might be thinking, well, I could just wait. I could wait later to get my period once I want to like have kids or something and then my bone density will be great and it's fine and it's okay. But the thing is, is that when you get your period later, you're already starting off with weaker bone mass. Studies have shown that people, women who are at the ages 16 and 30, that's when their peak bone mass happens. And then it slowly decreases after that. So if you're thinking, I'll just get my period later once I have kids, you're already starting off with a weaker bone mass than what you could have. And having strong bones is really important because again, you don't want to be in your 50s and having a broken bone because that's not fun. Another thing that happens when you have your period is that it decreases the likelihood of you having heart disease. Studies aren't completely linked to people with HA having cardiovascular disease, but we can see long-term evidence of people who have low estrogen and having cardiovascular disease. So for example, there's a study of women who underwent surgical menopause which is basically when you don't have a period anymore. By doing this, they removed their ovaries, and it increased the risk of heart disease by 85%. But once they went on estrogen replacement therapy, it immediately decreased the risk to where there wasn't a risk anymore. There's also been studies examining estrogen levels in women who have cardiovascular disease, And they found that their estrogen was a lot lower than the people who were in the controlled group. And then there's also been a ton of studies showing that people who have anorexia have cardiovascular issues and that their estrogen is extremely low and they'll have things like abnormal heart rate, decreased heart mass, brachycardia, which is basically when your heart rate is less than 60 beats per minute. If you go back to my eating disorder episode, I will talk about how my resting heart rate was basically in the high 30s. You don't want that. And then they also find that people who have anorexia have what's called a systematic vascular resistance. Again, another big word, but basically all that means is that your heart is working harder to pump that blood and keep you going. Now, with this systematic vascular resistance, it's shown in people with anorexia, but it can also be shown in people who have HA. There's a test called flow-mediated dilation. Basically, they break it down naming it FMD. This test will show early signs of cardiovascular disease. And with people who have HA, they find that they have a decrease FMD, which then means that they're heart is working harder to pump the blood through the body. If you think about blowing up a balloon, if you have one of those like normal small balloons, you're like, oh, okay, I can blow up this balloon and it's it's easy. It's fine. I might get a little bit out of breath. But for the most part, you pretty much can do it. But if you have one of those really long balloons where you're like trying to make I don't know, a dog, you know, when like you go to a birthday party and there's that weird clown who's like, oh yeah, I'm just going to like make this random monkey. I don't know. Those kind of balloons. If you're trying to blow that up with your mouth, it's going to be a lot harder to blow up that balloon and your face is going to get really red. So think of your face as being that heart trying to pump all that blood throughout your body. And like bone density you can fix this by increasing your estrogen the reason for this is because estrogen drives formation of nitric oxide which nitric oxide basically allows your arteries to expand so it's easier for your blood to flow and your body or your heart doesn't have to work as hard now you can take hormonal replacement therapy but the thing is is if you do that you're getting artificial estrogen and progesterone and it doesn't have the same effects because you won't have those like normal fluctuations of your menstrual cycle like I had said in the beginning of the podcast it's basically putting a band-aid on a long-term problem it will help but it's not curing it and I don't know about you but I would rather cure the problem than just keep stacking a bunch of band-aids on top of each other. The last thing is when you get your period, it decreases the chances of developing dementia, Parkinson's disease, and Alzheimer's. Again, there's no long-term studies that link people with HA having this specifically, but women who undergo surgical menopause or normal menopause, animal models, and studies on individual cells show future risk of neurological diseases. This is because estrogen, again, will increase the ability for your arteries to stretch, which allows an increase of blood flow to your brain. Estrogen also increases the building of new nerve connections, which will prevent your nerve cell death. And you know, you don't want those nerve cell deaths because that keeps sending signals throughout your body to keep going and keep moving. There's also new evidence showing that neurodegenerative diseases are due to long-term inflammation in the brain. This is because of cells called microglia, and microglia are turned off by estrogen and progesterone, which then will reduce your inflammation. So if you don't want those microglia, make sure you have that rise and fall of estrogen and progesterone. There's also studies to show that a low Having low estrogen is linked to having neurodegenerative disease. There was a long-term follow-up with patients who had surgical menopause, and they had shown that there was a 1.5 to 2-fold increased risk of dementia with women who had low estrogen, which would then increase their risk for having neurological disease. Then there was also a collection of information from women from different groups of women, like they were pregnant or they had their period or they didn't have their period. And they found women who had more estrogen exposure did better performance on memory tests than women who had low estrogen levels. And that would then correlate with people who have HA because they have low estrogen. And I don't know about you, But I definitely want to perform as well as I can on memory tests, especially going into college or just remembering all the information I want to remember in general from like podcasts or from a show that I watch so that I can like keep up with the talk that everyone's talking about or being able to comprehend books that I'm reading. But again, it doesn't matter your body size. There's this big demonization around weight and thinking that you're not good enough if you're heavier or that I'm not small enough to have HA. But again, your weight does not show the whole picture of what is going on with your health. A lot of people think that you have to be underweight or have had anorexia to have a loss of period and have HA. But the thing is, is that You can lose your period at any range of the BMI scale. Yes, it is common for people who are underweight and people who have had anorexia to have HA. but even women who have lost 10 pounds or more in the past have lost their cycle. It's important to know to work with your body and not against your body and to accept yourself for who you are and not for what, you're, what you look like because you are so much more than what you look like. Write down things about yourself that aren't even correlated to how you look or reach out to a friend. I know I had to do this where I reached out to a friend and I was like, hey, I really care about you and I'm being really hard on myself I was and about my body. I care about you, and I think it's amazing that you do da-da-da-da-da, could you maybe send me some things that you care about me or think are great about me? And you might be thinking, well, that sounds weird. But the thing is, is that people who care about you want you to know how important you are to them and what they like about you. So they will send you that back. So before you decide to go on that next juice cleanse or diet, think about what you could be doing to your body and what could happen if you lose your period. Now, I wanna stress how the birth control pill will not help you. This is something I'm really passionate about talking about because I had so many doctors and even my parents were like, why don't you just go on the pill? And I'm just like, because it's not a real period. It is just a band-aid and it's not allowing me to have those actual fluctuations of hormones. Again, it is a fake bleed. And people think just because they get that period that the birth control pill is okay. But again, you're not ovulating. And studies have shown that the birth control pill will decrease the chances of having more bone loss, but you won't ever regain that bone density that you have lost. And this is because the birth control pill will suppress insulin-like growth factor 1, which is involved with increasing that bone density. And I wanted to get my health back. And I wanted to be able to be the best me that I could be. But I wasn't going to get that if I just decided to put a band-aid on the problem. And the thing is, is that once I got off the birth control pill... I would be in the same situation as I was before. I wouldn't have a period because the p- pill was not going to bring my period back. So if I did want to have kids later on, it wasn't going to happen and I would just have to go through this whole process again. So what to do instead would be to get your hormones tested. It is important to know where to start off with and even I find Once you get that piece of paper in front of you, seeing how low your hormones are, it kind of just dings you in the face where it's like, okay, yeah, there's something going on. And the hormones to test are follicle-stimulating hormone, also known as FSH, luteinizing hormone, which is also known as LH, prolactin, and thyroid-stimulating hormone. But if you've had a history of exercising or food restriction, or weight loss, you probably already know, and especially what I've explained above, or before this podcast, (laughs) um, you probably already know that you have HA. Because I found for me, there was already this like deep tingling sensation in my body where I was like, yeah, I know, but I just don't want to accept it. And that's okay. But realizing that once you start this journey of trying to recover your cycle, it's going to be so worth it and you'll have all those benefits of having your period once you start working towards it. The next thing is, which was the hardest thing for me, was to cut down your exercise or just to have no exercise in general. This is because you're dealing with an energy imbalance, your body is lacking fuel And it doesn't feel safe. It needs that energy and fuel to restore all the systems that are lacking fuel. This is like because this is why your nails and your hair and your skin are all not functioning well. And your reproductive system isn't functioning well because your body wants the basic needs met before it does all the extra stuff. And with that, you're going to have to eat more food. And the No Period, Now What book, they recommend having 2,500 calories. Now, if you were me, you were probably freaked out by that. Because it seems like a lot of food. And yeah, it is a bit intimidating. But again, your body has to restore those energy, the lack of energy that you prevented it from having throughout all those years or year, or however long you haven't had your period. And you might also be thinking, well, if I eat all that food, then I'm just going to gain a bunch of weight, and I'm going to be unhealthy. But if you think about everything I just listed above, aren't you unhealthy now? Like if you're already having or going to have low bone density, if you're going to have heart disease, if you might end up having some brain disease, working towards getting your period back is actually going to make you healthier. And with that extra fuel, it's going to use that energy to repair and reserve And restore all those systems that were shut down and slowed down. So notice things like your nails, your hair, your skin, and especially your energy. If you find that you're more upbeat or have more energy or that your nails aren't breaking as frequently, this is a great sign that you're on the right track. It is important to recognize these things, or I found that it was important for me to recognize these things because it made me know what I was doing was right. And just reaffirming that in your head that this was right and that I was on the right path and it didn't matter what anybody else thought. I also wanted to let you know that 2,350 calories per day is believed to be below average requirements for men and women. But a lot of nutrition advisors are scared to mention this because they're afraid people are going to overeat. But knowing you, if you have HA, because I was one of those, you're probably type A. You want to control everything and you want to be exact and the best at it. Or with calories, you might even think eating under that is better. So just to give you a little safety there and feel a little bit more comfortable with the 2,500 calories. And by the way, that is a minimum. If you feel like you need to eat more eat more. Your body is telling you what it needs. Another thing that's really important is to control your stress. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, that's easier said than done because I know I was. But starting things like a journaling practice and just journaling out how you feel or setting boundaries with people in your life or honestly like cutting them out. If you are feeling down or feel like you always have to protect yourself when you're around certain people cut them out. It's not worth it. You might also consider therapy. Again, I highly recommend therapy. It's a nice way to just get things out and get a different perspective and also learn things about yourself. And then maybe adding in some mindful meditation or yoga or coloring or doing something that you just find yourself consistently smiling and happy and just in flow will really help relieve your stress. Like, I don't know, put on some playlist that just makes you dance around and sing. I know I've really gotten into in my car, singing in the car, just like this motivational music that just makes me feel my best. Also, focusing on things that you have to do, but not adding extra things to your list. I know for me, I like to do everything all in one day. But the thing is, is being okay with just getting the minimum done is okay. You don't have to go over and beyond. I know as being a college student, I want to get or I have learned that like I wanted to get all of my assignments done at the beginning of the week so that I had that safety net at the end of the week. But that just added a ton of stress on myself. And it's realizing that, okay, I know this is due this week, so I have to get this done. But this other stuff that I could push off, it's okay if I don't get it done today. But the biggest thing that helped me was writing down and remembering why I'm doing this. And I encourage you to do this too, because when you have those days where you just don't feel like you're doing it right or that maybe you should give up or someone says something to you and you're just like, it's not worth it. I don't want to do this anymore. Go back to writing, go back to that note where you had said why you're doing this. And this could be if you're if you want a baby in the future, write down the name you want to name your baby and just think about caring for that baby and why you're doing this so you can have that baby. Or if you were like me, I wasn't really thinking about having a baby at that point. I just wanted to heal my body and be my best self. And I thought about not breaking a bone at the age of 30 because again, I want to weightlift. I want to be able to go on hikes in the future like I have all these plans to go traveling I also don't want to have heart problems or dementia anytime when I get old I want to be aware of if I have kids I want to be aware and active with my grandkids but I want to let you know that yes it will probably be hard because you are playing with your mental psyche if you've gotten this far to probably losing your period. But I promise you, so many people have gone through this, including me, and it will be so worth it in the long run once you get your period back. Like I know for me, I was so excited once I finally got my period back, like I was jumping up and down. It was great. And if you would feel encouraged by me sharing my story, I would be more than happy to share my story with you guys. But getting that No Period Now What book and just hearing people's testimonials and realizing that it is worth it, you can do it. it. Is will be really impactful for you and your journey and your process. But again, if you want me to share my story, I'm more than happy to. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really hope you learned something from this podcast and got some value out of it. I know it was very information heavy and big words and stuff like that. So if you need me to answer any questions, just let me know. You can do this by emailing me at podcast at gmail.com or messaging me on Instagram at Rebecca.8 and sharing this with anyone that you think needs to hear this information. Again, I think it's really important for people to understand that their period is so much more than just having a kid or just bleeding once a month and you have to get all these tampons or pads or whatever. It is so important and I stress that a lot. So I hope you have an amazing day and again thank you so much for listening to this podcast and I can't wait to babble with you next time.